Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us, for being merciful and gracious to us, uh, giving us everything that we need, Lord, giving us yourself, and especially giving us your son. Lord, help us this morning as we come uh, to your word to think about what you've called us to, to make disciples to be disciples and to make disciples. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to think truly, Lord, that you would help us to listen to your voice. And um, then, Lord, give us hearts, change our hearts to be obedient and, uh, Lord, to find the joy in being a disciple and in making disciples that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, like, yeah, like I said, we've got... Uh, like the song says, a long ways to go and a short time to get there um, this morning. So we're going to do, I'm going to do my best to combine three classes from Capitol Hill's discipling program into one class this morning. So you may, at times, I may sound like I'm a fire hydrant up here just spitting out at you, but uh, hopefully we'll trust that the Lord will, uh, will take fish and loaves and multiply them to your good uh, this morning. So as we think about getting started, a story, and some of you may be familiar with this, may have heard, heard this, or maybe even heard it used in an analogy or, or an example before, but um, I've heard the story, obviously wasn't alive, but heard the story about how in 1960, the Green Bay Packers played for the NFL championship against the Philadelphia Eagles, and had the lead going into the fourth quarter, ended up losing that lead and losing the game, lost the championship to the Packers in, in 1960 uh, with the fourth quarter meltdown. The next season, I guess that would have been in, in July, uh, in the summer when, they, when the Packers were starting their training camp, their coach, famous football coach Vince Lombardi, walks in to his room, probably meeting room, something maybe like this, or maybe out on the field, had them all take a knee or something, but walks out and with a football in his hand, right, and holds it up and says, gentlemen, this is a football, right? And so you can imagine these uh, elite athletes, these trained professionals who had just played for the championship game a few months before, had already experienced some success, and they're probably, what they're expecting, I would imagine, and thinking is that he's going to come out and we're going to immediately start working on some new advanced schemes, some new advanced strategies that are going to allow us to push over the edge uh, to win a championship. And Lombardi instead said, no, we're going right back to the very beginning, to the basics, the things that they teach peewee football in uh, the first week, you know, the blocking, tackling, throwing, catching, running, all of the fundamentals. Football says this is what we need to go back to. And so over the last three weeks in, in this class, we've looked at the uh, what and the why and the who and the where of discipling and tried to give some foundational, some, some answers about what it is, uh, some motivations for doing it. Um, and then last week, Ryan discussed you know, uh, that we're all in, should be involved in discipling local church provides us the best context, a great context for that to happen in as we are forming these covenanting relationships together. 
this morning we're going to look and think more about the how, start thinking kind of more of the practical, how do we do this? I'm assuming that you guys have been coming to this class, uh, this hour on Sunday mornings, because you want to be involved in this, right? That you you feel like it's something, I kind of feel like we probably, it's good to lay those foundations that we've laid already this week, but I feel like there's we probably don't have to convince you of why you need to be involved in discipling as much as you know, okay, I, I know Jesus has called me to this. What's it look like? How do I get into it? And so this morning, we're going to start uh, thinking more about that. And as we do, I brought up that story about Lombardi and the Packers because it's kind of the, the same thing, right? It's like that story is applicable to so many different areas of life, uh, business, and, and just all the different kinds of things that the fundamentals are so important. But that's especially true, I believe, when we think about being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, and making disciples um, also, is that what we really need and what we're going to see what the Bible offers us really isn't some, a new strategy. We don't, we don't need a new scheme, a new strategy that's going to lay it out for you. But what we really need is to focus on the fundamentals of spiritual disciplines um, and those Thank you, young people. Just take it back to the basics. Reading the Bible, praying. Um, and we're going to throw in a little bit at the end about uh, reading Christian books that are helpful so much as they kind of point us back to reading the Bible and praying. Right? But reading the Bible and praying, that's really what we're going to be talking about this morning, their use in discipling. So the first thing that, that we'll see, the first thing we're going to talk about is just that, that first point, that discipling involves encouraging careful Bible study. Um, and this ought to make sense to us because we understand that, or hopefully you understand, um, if you're married and you don't understand this, just give it some time for your, your spouse will probably help you understand this, that you are not omnipotent, you are not omniscient, you are not all wise or all loving or all good, right? But God is. And because we are not, and because God is, that means that our friends, our family members, our children, our spouse, whoever it is, our Christian brothers and sisters, and really even our lost co-workers and, and people that we're around, need to hear what God has to say a whole lot more than they need to hear what we have to say. And all that's simply to say that the foundation and the focus of discipling relationships is not our good counsel, but is pointing people to God's good counsel, right? Um, Hopefully that takes a little bit of the intimidation out of it in the fact that when when we're being called to uh, be in discipling relationships with somebody, even thinking about that phrase, discipling somebody else or leading them, this isn't a call for us to be the guru again, right? For us to be... um, the old wise one that they that pours all of our wisdom into them, but it's really more just helping direct people to God's word. Um, there are, the Bible itself gives us, outside of just the simple fact that it is God's word, because it's God's word, it has a lot to offer. Um, it tells us in, it, in itself a lot of things it has to offer. First of all, the Bible uh, will tell us that it's powerful, right? Um, Hebrews chapter 4 In verse 12, the author of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, 
joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we understand that God's word has the power to, to, to look into us and to see the things that are hidden and to transform us. Um, really, we could even back up and before we even talk about the Bible itself, just talk about the word of God, God's how the world was created, right? That God spoke the world into existence and think of the power of God's word there. Um, the Bible also, God's word, has the ability to make us wise. We read in Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so again, when we think about this in the context of discipling, I may not have wisdom to give somebody, my friend, when they're whatever situation they're dealing with. And even if I think that I have wisdom to give them, I can be sure that God's word has wisdom to give them. And so the best thing that I can do is to point them and help direct them back to looking at God's word. God's word um, can make makes our ways pure. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so when we think about going back to that definition that we started with in in week one about what is discipling, well, and encouraging people to follow Jesus, right, and doing spiritual good in their lives. And we talked about the motivations that that God calls us to sanctification, to a life of holiness, to godliness, to being conformed to the image of Christ. And what is that in in practical terms? A lot of that is, is resisting temptation, right, and repenting from sin and turning toward God. And what helps us to do that? God's word, right? Knowing God's word. The Bible also gives us direction, and so we know that in, in our relationships, the people that, that we have relationships with, and certainly ourselves too in our life, we often have questions. What should I do in this situation? What do I need? You know, I'm confused. I don't have two options here. I'm not really sure which way to go. Well, again, God's word gives us direction. Um, Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, it lights up and shows us the right way to go and then God's word is practically uh, useful 2 Timothy 3.16 Paul says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness and so you can see there's just kind of a whole list of different things that that he says the word of God is useful for practically in our life. And, and we can kind of take that and understand that if he's saying God's word is useful for these things, then there's a need for us to have those things in our life. We need at times to be taught. We need at times to be reproved and corrected. And certainly we need to be trained in righteousness and all of those things, again, the answer, the key, the place to look, what people need is not to hear our thoughts necessarily on how to be righteous, our thoughts on what they need to do, on what they're doing wrong, on what they're, where they need to be reproved. They need to be reproved and corrected by the word of God, not by us, because again, our, we, are, we are fallible. Right? We, we might be wrong. We might be trying to correct them in something they don't need to be corrected in, um, but the word of God is infallible.
And so because of all of these things that, that we know, that we believe about God's word, about the Bible, because it is, because it is God's revelation of himself, because it is God's revelation of the truth, because it is God's revelation of the truth about who we are and what is valuable in life and what it, the truth about eternity and the truth about the world and the truth about sexuality and the truth about marriage and the truth about child rearing and the truth about the value that we place on our work and all of these different things because it is the truth about all, all of those things, we need people to point us to God's word constantly. I need people to point me back to it constantly because even though I come every week, right, and, and worship with you all and affirm all the things that I just said, I am so, my, my mind, the sin within me is so quick to, when it gets, when the rubber meets the road and in the, just the hustle and bustle of life and these situations to not believe all of those things and to, to look and listen to answers from other places and to look and listen to answers and solutions and wisdom that are wrong, right? But those are the, the voices that are all around us. And so because of that, because those voices are all around us, because the world has a message that's opposite to all of what God's word says, and because I know that I'm prone to believe those messages and listen to them, I need friends. I need Leah, and I need you all to be speaking into my life, pointing me back to listen to what, what is God's word saying? What does the truth say? What does the truth say in this situation? I need people pointing me back. And as probably the best thing that we can do at, to, in discipling, the, the root of discipling is doing that for others, right? For one another, pointing them. What does God's word say? What does the Bible say about this that you're dealing with? And so there's a couple of ways that we can we can do that, at least a couple of ways, just two that, that, that I put in the outline. Um, of pointing people to God's word. The first one is simply uh, we should encourage studying God's word, right? Um, we should encourage people to study God's word. And the start of that is simply wh where's a good point place to, to start if you want to encourage somebody to study God's word? Well, I would start encouraging them to read it regularly, <laughs> right? I mean, let's say that is a that sounds like a simple thing, um, and maybe too simple, but man, where, what better place to start, and, and probably what many of us aren't always doing as faithfully as we even would like to do, as we know we ought to do, is just simply taking the time to sit down and read it, right, regularly, just ingesting it regularly, and I think the um, analogy, illustration of just the physical body and what does it need, right, of, of eating. And one of the ways that the Bible talks about the word is feeding on the word and talks about the word is bread. Um, and so if we don't eat the good things regularly, if we're only eating junk food all the time, we're going to be sick. If we don't eat, we're going to be sick, right? And so I think the same thing, I will point us, that same principle applies to us spiritually that if we don't regularly take in God's word, we're not going to be as strong as we ought to be, just as simple as that. And so how can we encourage our friends? How do we need to be encouraged by others? We 
we need people who will encourage us to read the Bible regularly. And what a great thing that we can do for our friends, for our kids, for our spouses, to encourage them to read it regularly. Um, reading it is great. Reading it faithfully is great. If reading it regularly is great, even better is how we read it, right? Um, it's one thing to sit, uh, take a few minutes and read a verse and then be on your way out the door. Hey, that's better than nothing. And there may be times that that's what you can get in. But I would encourage us all to dig deeper than that, right? Um, and one of the ways that we can encourage our friends is to encourage them to dig deeper, to meditate on the word, to take a, you know, maybe a smaller portion of the scripture and read over that and read it and read over it and reread over it and pray through it and ask God to, through the spirit, to show us and help us to understand what does that portion of scripture uh, mean? What, did, what does God mean by it? How does it apply to our life? Uh, meditate on it. And then um, as we think about meditating on it, and some of you may have been through classes on this uh, inductive Bible study method. Um, I know that there are plenty of opportunities for those type of classes here at our, at our church, but simply put, um, I think one of a great way to read the Bible and to study it and meditate on it and to dig deeper into it is as we read the scriptures to uh, maybe with a journal in hand, read that passage and ask kind of three questions of it, right? Um, what does it say? So what, before we can even get to what does it mean, we have to say just what, is, what do the words say? What does it say here? Um, then what does it mean? Can we start there? What does it mean to the people who first heard it? It can't mean something different to us than it never meant to anybody who heard it the first time. And then finally, then how does it apply to me? Um, just three simple, three simple questions in that of getting to what, letting the scripture speak to us instead of us trying to speak to it and lay on top of it our presuppositions and um, interpretations. Um, as we think about encouraging people to our friends, our kids, family members to study God's word, I think, and this is where the we really start getting into the discipling part of it, the relational part is, man, do it together, right? Um, and again, this is one thing that I've seen so helpful in my life, see right now, so helpful in my life, because um, unfortunately, one of my, one of my greatest uh, weaknesses, downfalls, is I am not a dis very disciplined person. I'm not a very self-disciplined person person to get myself up, stay on a schedule, do, you know, commit to something and just do it myself, even if I know that it's good for me to do. And so this is one of the great benefits, I think, of these Christians when we think of discipling is to have a partner, just somebody that you say, hey, let's read through the Bible together and let's meet together and then talk about what we're reading. Um, and this is something that's really I've found at least to be beneficial um, in my life. Um, offer to study, you know, offer to read the Bible with a partner. Um, that can be um, at different times. I've 
you know, read through the same book together where we said we're going to read through, you know, let's read through a chapter of the Gospel of John each week and then we'll meet together and talk about what we've read. Or it could be at times where, where we've not done that. We've just committed, hey, I'm going to be having my quiet time. You know, I'm struggling to be consistent in my quiet time. You're struggling to be consistent in your quiet time. Let's just meet each week and talk about what we're reading in our quiet times, even if it's not necessarily the same thing. Um, as you're doing that, another great way that we can be encouraging to, uh, to one another and um, pointing people to follow Jesus, and particularly in thinking about Bible study, is just asking questions to people. You know, when we get together, if you're getting together regularly, intentionally like that, ask those questions. What are you reading this week if you're not reading the same thing? You are reading the same thing or something different. What is God teaching you through what you're reading this week? How have you been challenged by what you've been reading this week? Um, those questions are great. Um, and so, again, one of the, going back to those fundamentals, one of the greatest ways that we can disciple others is by simply pointing them to God's word, being an encouraging them to read God's word, um, offering to read it with them. Um, that can be, at times, that will be more formalized, like getting together with somebody to schedule that time out to do it. But I would encourage you that you can be, that we can informally disciple one another um, in our, <laughs> just as we are in passing, right? That those questions don't have to be, let's sit down and ask, let me go through these five questions with you this week. That can be in a conversation that you have in the hall out here, after church, at lunch, whatever. Hey, what are you, you know, let me tell you something that I was reading in the Bible this week and just really stood out to me and God used me. What's God showing you in the Word? Those, those can be great questions. What other um, any other ideas, maybe, you know, th those are some, just some basic ones that I thought of, but any other ideas or suggestions that you can think of on how maybe somebody has encouraged you in your Bible reading and or in studying the Word together or how you have um, encouraged somebody in that or how we can? Yes, sir. know I heard um, and I had never thought I don't think I'd ever even thought of the question but one of the things as I was preparing this week and reading through some of the material from Capitol Hill um, they talked about how uh, one of the you know one of our all probably all of our I don't know if objections is the right word but, but challenges that we would throw out of, of why we don't read the Bible that much is because of the time that it takes which that was not the surprising part. The surprising part that I'd never heard before is that you can read out loud the entire Bible in 71 hours. Say that, and they're like, and we've got, you know, it's here, like, recorded. 
for you to, to listen. So th that was interesting. That, was, uh, that number was surprisingly low to me in terms of how long it takes to actually sit and read, even reading out loud the Bible. So yeah, we can find time. There's time, different places, and especially with the electronic media, different ways that we can ingest Um, a second way that we can encourage people to get into the get into the Word, and that we can be encouraging in in the lives of our friends and um, family, kids, all that is not just encouraging studying God's Word, but encouraging memorizing God's Word. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but this is an area that I just stink at, right? <laughs> Or, or have, or maybe a better way to say it is not has just not been very faithful in. It's probably the more accurate way of saying it. Um, it is, and again, something that you know, just a comment that I read in that, and we could probably all relate is the discouraging reality of how many song lyrics that we have floating around in our minds that we can't pull up. Um, we were sitting over at the pool last night with the Gilliland, and uh, Alyssa was talking about having poison ivy, and all of a sudden I'm starting, you know, you're going to need an ocean of calamine lotion. Just like, and this is a song that was like out 30 years before I was born, right? Poison <laughs> ivy comes around. And like how, why do I even have this song, the lyrics to it, can just pop it out and sing it? all the useful things that I don't have in my head, but all that to say, I think I don't have to probably convince you in this room of the value of memorizing scripture. I mean, we can just go back to that verse we just looked at, um, Psalm 119.11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Think about Jesus, uh, you know, being tempted by Satan, and what did he use to fight off those temptations? Scripture memory, not flipping through, but memory, the scripture that you just had memorized in your head, right? And so I think, again, I probably don't have to convince you of the value of that or the importance of that, but I, so I would just say, let me try to convince you of the value and importance of discipling to help us all in that. Um, you know, just the, the example that comes off the top of my mind, a couple of them, one went to my wife because she is more actively involved in this than I am, but with our kids, uh, man, they've got a whole program of, you know, flashcards that they work through every week of memorizing scripture and point to the junior high Sunday school class that I know, and there's probably others, but that one, because my kids are in it, I know that they get sent home with laminated sheets of passages, long passages, right, like the whole chapter that they are being challenged to uh, memorize, and again, I think this is the kind of where I'll go at the discipling part of this, is that, yes, it's on them. They're going home by themselves, probably working on memorizing these, but they've got this whole group that's all doing it together and then coming together, and let me share with you, and you share with me, and who's got it memorized, and how far can you go, and all this, and what a motivating thing that is to help and this, just the way God has put us together and given us this opportunity to help each other in this, that it's not a um, lone ranger just out there by yourself, but it would 
benefit we can be in, hey, you want to memorize some, you know, let's try to memorize this verse together. If you have a prayer partner, if you have somebody that you get to, an accountability partner, why not maybe incorporate that? Let's, you know, next, let's work on this verse. Maybe start there with this verse and let's try to memorize this together and we'll get together and ask each other, you know, read it out loud to each other. That can be a great thing. Um, any other ideas that you have on helping each other, maybe how somebody's helped you with memorizing scripture, how that's been impactful in your life? Yes, ma'am. What are the um, seeds family worship? I don't know if you if you have little kids. I'm sure you're aware of this. We've listened to them with our kids, but isn't it just like you were saying, like the things that are helpful for little kids? I mean, they may be better sponges than we are and can absorb it and take it in faster than we can. But there's just something about music that God has designed that does stick it to us. Yes, ma'am. Music is powerful, you know, by God's design. Sure, right? It's, it's a powerful tool to, to plant things into our memory. Um, so, yeah, great ideas there. All right, so, um, yeah, if, if helping our friends uh, and by encouraging them to study the Bible is important, then, then maybe the, the second leg of that, the second fundamental of Christian disciplines that, that we can our friends in and be encouraged in is biblical prayer, right? Um, the Bible shows us the vitality of prayer, the importance, the necessity of prayer in our lives. Um, if prayer, you know, just like we wouldn't be connected to our spouse if we never communicated with them, there's a way, a sense in which prayer connects us to God, to the heart of God. And, and then also I think because it shows our, acknowledges our complete and utter dependence on him, right? Um, something about getting on our knees, being forced to our knees to remind us of who God is and who we are. And just, again, I, I can only speak for myself, but I know my tendency is to be prayerless, right? My natural drift is not to drift, is not just to drift into a deeper prayer life, but is to drift into 
complete prayerlessness of just busyness and going about my my day. But prayer is vital to it. So um, John fifteen five, uh, Jesus remember says, "I am the vine; you are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Just this great reminder from Jesus that, yeah, our, our tendency is to drift away and try to live life on our, on our own. Um, but the, the place for a Christian to be is abiding in Christ, right? It's totally connected to him, just like a branch is connected into the trunk of the tree. And if we get disconnected, lose that connection, then uh, we're completely useless helpless on our own out there. Um, even James chapter 4 and verse 2, what did James tell those believers he was writing to, right? You have not because you have not because you ask not. Why don't you think of it? Do you want wisdom, he would even say in that book? Um, do you want holiness? Do you want to know God? Do you want God's presence? Go to him. Ask him for it. Pray. Be involved in prayer. And so if prayer is vital to our lives and to the lives of our children, to the lives of our Christian brothers and sisters, um, then, again, I mean, what's key as discipling is to encourage prayer. Um, I'd say even before that, maybe be praying for them, right? So discipling, um, certainly if you think of, more formalized discipling relationship with where you're meeting with somebody who's younger in the faith, newer to the faith, um, to encourage them and help them to grow. Man, be praying for them. You're thinking about your kids. Be praying for them. Your spouse, be praying for them. Even your brothers and sisters, right? I've got guys that I get together with each week, and man, can we just be praying for each other? The things that we've got, we all have different things, struggles that we deal with, whether, you know, some are just normal, trying to be uh, faithful, godly men at work, trying to be faithful, godly men in our homes, husbands, fathers, all that stuff, we need to be, we need each other to be praying for us and be praying for each other, Um, again, going back to the book of James, the Bible tells us this, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Um, I believe it's uh, Galatians 6 2. We bear one another's burdens. And what a, how do we do that? What a great way to bear one another's burdens is to bear them to the Lord, right? To join one another in praying for the burdens that we are facing. And so, discipling involves, first of all, praying for one another. But then, when we think about, and again, I think this goes more to. Um, is thinking more in lines of a more formalized discipling relationship where you are a little further along in your walk with Christ and, and pouring into somebody who is not as far along. Um, but we can encourage them by, by encouraging them to pray, encouraging one another to pray. And we can do this, one, through uh, modeling prayer. Think of Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. So in this, we see that the the disciples knew Jesus was praying. They saw him praying. They heard him praying. Hey, we see what you're doing. Show us how to do that as well. And so one of the great ways that we can just 
model praying for somebody who maybe is uh, would say just, you know, I, I want to pray. I know I should pray, but I just don't really know how. Well, get together and pray. <laughs> let them pray with them and let them hear you pray and see how you do it and what how you approach God. And then they can see, okay, I don't have to stand like this, you know. Um, Leah doesn't stand like that when she prays or she doesn't get on her knees. Whatever, you know, whatever preconceptions they, I mean, some people may not have a pre, but some people may have some real preconceptions about I have to stand with my hand folded and my head bowed and speak in really 16th century language, you know, when I pray. And they can see, oh, praying is just speaking to the Lord. Or maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe they need to see that it is speaking to God, you know, not to our homies. So um, <laughs> maybe we pray with a little bit more reverence than than that, but we can model it by just by praying with people and letting them see us. And I think, again, a great think of the example of this, of just in our church, how in our services, the prayer that we have, and how um, as a just through the formal structure of our church, we're being. I mean, yes, we're praying and being led to the throne to pray together for those things and interceding and praying to God. But in that is not is not just the only value is not just what we're doing. In communion with God, then, but is also the value of what we are learning as a congregation, hearing those prayers and hearing the the breadth of the different things that we pray for in this church, and the way that we approach God. How we have prayers of intercession, we have prayers of confession, we have prayers of praise, and we pray for just all these different things. I think that's instructive, and the same thing happens as we pray in front of our kids at home pray with friends when we meet with them that you can see and hear us pray that that's instructive on on what prayer looks like um, the second way and maybe even a little bit more formalized way that we can encourage prayer is just through actual instruction um, second verse there in Luke says and he said to them when you pray say father hallowed be your name in other words you said okay here's how you do it let me tell you how pray um, and there may be times and places you know a time and place for that of actually this is what prayer looks like and this is how we do this you know um, now what we don't mean by this is, is giving somebody a canned set of words to pray right um, hopefully that's obvious or we'll say it just in case it needs to be said like when we're instructing somebody how to pray that's not what we're Okay, say these exact. This formula is the right way to pray, but some things that it would include, you know, when we think about just what is what does the Bible teach us about prayer, or the same things that we can teach people. Uh, well, we ought to pray according to God's will. You know, some people may be confused about that. Like, okay, I want a new bicycle. I need to pray that I get a new bicycle. You know, I want this. I need to pray for God's like a genie, and I need to pray and ask, and I get what I want, right? And so there's some instruction that needs to take place there. First uh, John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And so that's something that we could teach somebody. That as we pray, yes, God hears us, and yes, God is good, and, and will answer our prayers, but we need to be praying. The Bible instructs us to be praying according to his, his will. Um, we can inst give instruction to people about their motive even 
you know, this is another one that the, the book of James speaks to. James kind of got on to the folks he was writing to, right? Um, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, right? Spend it on yourselves. And so we can be instructing our friends, our kids, um, check your heart, right? What, why are you asking for this? Are your motives right? Are you praying selfishly? Um, are you okay with God being God in this situation and not giving you what you think you need because he knows what you really need? We can, and I think this is a really good one, we can give instruction, remind folks that when we're praying, we can, we can trust that the Spirit will help us when we pray, right? How, how often do we feel insufficient? Our words are insufficient. Our ability is insufficient. I feel like I just muddle through that. Um, my prayer is not good enough. And what does Paul teach us? Romans 8, right? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to pray as we ought, right? Like, we can just we can just go ahead and own that. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so um, we can encourage our friends and hopefully we have friends who encourage us when we're feeling like man my prayer life I'm trying to pray I just feel like I'm not getting it right it doesn't you know my mind wanders I, I don't know how to put it into words hey just turn towards God pray the spirit is going to help you in that and God knows his will he knows his heart um, we can we can instruct people Towards prayer, towards a life of prayer, by by encouraging them to pray through their situation, right? Um, this again, I'll brag on my wife. I see her in this with our kids a lot, even with mundane situations that probably my first instinct, unfortunately, is not to like, pray about it. But you know, kid comes into the room. Whatever, I can't sleep. Um, there's a noise. Uh, there's this. There's that. I'm scared. Have you pr go pray about it? Have you prayed about it? Lay in bed and pray about it, right? Um, but and so that's a simple thing about us as kids. But how many of us have friends in church, out of out of church, but particularly our friends in church? We would like to think that all of our friends are and ourselves are facing life's problems facing life's questions and situations completely from a biblically based uh, solution going immediately to God's word going immediately to prayer to find the direction that we ought to go and the direction that they ought to go but that's not the case right? it's not the case with me all the time it's probably not the case with you all the time it's certainly not the case with everybody even here as great of a church as UBC is faithful as people are here we still have friends in this church who, when they're faced with bad news, when they're faced with a tragedy, when they're faced with a question, when they're faced with whatever, that they're 
our first response is often to start panicking, to start freaking out, to start going to the worst place, to start listening, thinking the, the most unbiblical solutions to our problem. I'm struggling in my marriage, what should I do? The first response is not always to think, what does God's word say? So what, how can we instruct people in prayer? Somebody comes to us with whatever it is, hey, have you prayed about it? You know, well, I've just got a problem with the way the church is thinking about doing this. I don't really like that direction. I don't really like this about church. Well, have you prayed about it? Or have you just complained to somebody about it? <laughs> like, we can instruct people and point them just by asking those questions. Um, and certainly we can in discipling. Like, let's pray about it together right now. Right? And I pray about it with you right here and now. Um, and again, even as we think about these, about this part of instruction, I would just encourage you, like, yes, this can be in a more formalized setting, um, but it doesn't have to be. Just like encouraging Bible study, it doesn't have to be in a formal teaching sex session. Instruction often comes in small, just small little chunks interjected into a conversation through the normal ebb and flow of life, through, through the week. And those are meaningful. And it may not seem like something meaningful to, to you at the time, but often it's meaningful to the person who you speak that word into. And I think, again, it just goes back to, which we didn't talk about this, this morning, but that idea of intentionality and deliberateness. Um, and that I would really encourage all of us, think about how we can be intentional and deliberate, not necessarily to go out and say, hey, can I be your discipler? Although there is a time for that, but... How can we be intentional and deliberate to disciple one another in the relationships that we already have as we're just living life together? How can we be intentional and deliberate to point people to God's word, to point people to prayer in our conversations with our friends, with our kids as we're just living life together? Um, there are some practical tips there. I'm going to let you look at those just uh, without really going through, through them that much. Plan pray, pray with a partner, keep track of your prayers and answers. Um, and those are just things, you know, because I think prayer is something we can get discouraged in or feel like we're not doing a good job or whatever, that I think people have found those to be helpful. I shouldn't say I'm still not that great at doing any of those. Um, but probably should. They would probably be very helpful to me <laughs> if I would. People have found, other people have found them to be <laughs> very helpful when, when they do those things. Um, yeah. Lastly, with just a few minutes that we've got left here, uh, talk about the value of using Christian books in uh, discipling, in pointing our friends, our kids toward Jesus, and again, my wife laughed last week when this part, when Ryan said we're going to talk about Christian books, because confession time again, you know, um, I kind of told her last, somebody even last week, Christian books are great, everybody should have a ton of them, like, I've got a ton of them in our house, on our bookshelves, it's probably even better if you read them sometimes, <laughs> like, I've got 
all of these books, and I've started most of them. Um, I finished a couple of them, but they are helpful, and there is value in a good Christian book. And think about why that is, because we can learn from having conversations with each other as we exchange ideas, particularly in the, when we think in this setting about God's Word, about what the Word is teaching us, about what the, how the Spirit has shown us things in God's Word. That's valuable as we have those exchanges. And that's what basically what takes place in a book, right, is that you get to have this conversation with a person who can't be with you in person, right? And when we think about these books, particularly books that have, that have held, stood the test of time and have been widely used by Christians, you get to have conversations with people who the Lord has used and has given, you know, has used their, their diligence and their Bible study to, to teach them from his word and give them a gift of expressing that and communicating it in a way that that makes God's word more accessible to us. And so there's value in having those conversations. There's, there's um, value in getting to benefit from the gifting and the diligence, like I said, the study that, that other believers have put in um, and us just getting to, to reap the, the rewards from that. Um, so again, some here we're just thinking some practical tips for using Christian books. And this is one, actually, I'll say this. I do feel a little bit more competent and confident to stand up here and talk about this because right now in, with uh, Mason Hayes and I get together um, every, every Thursday and, and Josiah too gets together with us. Um, our readings have just started reading through Gentle and Lowly. Um, and so we're actually putting this into practice right now. Um, so I feel a little bit more okay about talking about this. <laughs> so, but how can we how can we read these Christian books for discipling? Some good, just again, some practical tips. Read with a pencil in hand. Mark it up, right? Uh, jot down your as you, you know at your thoughts as you're thinking through it. Argue with the author. I think that's a great one, right? So many. Um, I feel like a lot of people that I've Christians that I've had conversations with just in the past, in the past, um, if it's a Christian author, if it's this, if it's this author or that author, or it's a Christian book, I just have to take it and and ingest it and agree with it. And wow, it's great because they say this. And I would just encourage you, don't do that, right? Like, um, do that with the, with the Scripture because it is God's word. And it is infallible, and it is true. And you don't argue with it. Um, be corrected to it. Be su submitted to it. Be corrected by it. Um, but with Christian books, even if it's an author who you respect, who you know is a godly person, they're still not infallible, right? Um, and so I think it's just a great practice to, well, what, is, what does he mean by that? What does she mean by that? How does this accord with what I read? I read this in Scripture, and I, I'm having a hard time reconciling what they say here with what I read here in Scripture. Um, I would not be afraid. To, I would challenge you and encourage you to do that. Um, read it critically um, as you read it. Ask good questions of it and then record them in the margins. Um, and then, again, those things that you, as you're reading, those questions, those arguments are things that you can 
discuss, and those can lead to fruitful discussions with another, with a friend, with maybe your child if they're old enough to, to read it. So um, what to read for discipling, um, just some good uh, general broad category doctrinal books, um, devotional books, one uh, tip that they give guys at Capitol Hill gave is choose by the author, not the title. I would agree with that. Um, encourage you in that. Is you know there are people, men and women, whose whose writings have stood the test of time and the test of orthodoxy, right? And some who haven't. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And then just one for here at our church, we have you know. I'm not the best person because I'm not that well broadly read, but we have people here in this church who are very well read, who are broadly read, and who will be able to give great advice and direction. And, you know, I'm thinking about this book or what do you know about this author? Most, I don't, I don't know that any of our pastors, but most, I would assume most of them, certainly some of them are going to know a lot. About that, and just other church members to agree a lot, not just the pastors. So, um, a couple that I found helpful. Most of these are going to be probably more devotional, I would say, and kind of thinking about that devotion book, uh, "Practice of Godliness and the Pursuit of Holiness" by Jerry Bridges. Um, both have been instrumental at times in my life, pointing me to just what. What, what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Um, just some nice, easy, light reading. Um, Overcoming Sin and Temptation is uh, three classic works of John Owen. Just kidding. That's really, that's not easy reading at all. That's kind of like slodging through stuff. But if you can get through the language barrier, the content is really challenging. Um, really good. Um, Disciplines of a Godly Man. This is one that I uh, read through with some guys at our last church. And again, just another one that just very practical as we think about, you know, trying to be faithful as, you know, as a husband, as a father, as an employee in, in life. Um, it's good to be pointed to these things. And, to have, and, and again, the great thing about these books one of the ways that you know it's faithful is there's not a, anything new in here. Right? There wasn't anything you really need to try. Oh, I've never heard that before. But it was, it's again, those fundamentals, right? It's so easy to drift from the things, the basic disciplines of the, you know, good, good books that can remind us. And then Gentle and Lowly, I would say, is more, it's devotional, but it is, it's not as much, you know, live, this is how you live the Christian life. It's just thinking about who Jesus is and the goodness sure that you've had other books that have been meaningful, helpful to you as well, and again, those can just be great avenues for sparking helpful conversations that point our friends to Jesus and point us to Jesus in a way that we can come together as we read them together and help spur one another on, right, and help each other, point each other to Jesus. So, again, just discipling is talked about that definition in the first week helping others follow Jesus by doing deliberate spiritual good in their lives 
and hopefully what I was trying to communicate today is that just the best way that we can do that, the best way that we can help people follow Jesus is pointing them to his word, right? Pointing them to his word and pointing them to, to communing with him in, in prayer. Uh, if we can do those two things, we're, that, I mean, you've got the book, the, the bread and butter right there, the book of the foundation right there. Um, any last thought? We've got maybe just a minute or two left, 10.05. I've got any other thoughts, uh, comments, encouragements for other people? Um, Leah, would you pray? Close us out. Sure. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've had to just think through um, discipleship and just um, methods and ways and things to think through when we are walking with others. I pray that um, there will be fruit from just what we've heard this morning, that we will take it to heart and use it um, in our day-to-day lives. together ready with um, open hearts to hear and receive your word today and it's in Jesus name